feel like Gordon Bombay would have taken his career to even further height. Everything's flashy, everything's cocaine, everything's fun. Open wide for some soccer. I don't care what you think about, what your personal thoughts are at home. I care that you hate the Cowboys. Call this college rule! Welcome back, everybody, to the Sports Experience Podcast. Chris and Dom here, and uh, today we're back on the gridiron for actually a couple episodes. Yeah, we're going to be talking uh, football here. This is probably one of the greatest playoff games of this uh, little era. Yeah, it seems weird. We sometimes, we've sometimes we made it a, almost a habit of picking the longest football games or discussing the longest football games ever played, and this one kind of falls into line with that. Yeah, definitely. Um, so today we're going to be talking about the 2003 NFC Divisional Playoff between the St. Louis Rams, not the now Super Bowl winning Los Angeles Rams, but they did play in St. Louis, and the Carolina Panthers. And uh, boy, was this game awesome. <laughs> yeah, no, it's and it really made me think of because we just got done with the uh, 2022 playoff Super Bowl. And a lot of those games were like this, where it was just back and forth. Yep. Great football, long games where yeah. you're just like, man, this is awesome. It's like. I'm lazy on Sunday, but this is actually, you're not being productive, but at least you're watching something yep. productive. You know what I mean? No, 100%. But uh, this game almost reminds me, it actually kind of reminds me a lot of the um, Chiefs and Dolphins one we talked about. Yes, because definitely. Because in you look at the matchup between both teams, they're on almost the same trajectories, okay? So like you have Carolina on that trajectory of a young team finally trying to put it together, and then you have the you know old war horse, the St. Louis Rams, the greatest show on turf, kind of nearing the end of their little mini quasi dynasty run, you know, where they're like fighting to just get that one more Super Bowl to add to the trophy case. And uh, this game has some future ramifications uh, for one of these franchises, which is no bueno for the city that they play in. Well, we see this happen where, and we we bring this up where games like this you're just like oh we just kind of lost the game but it like oh that kind of changed the trajectory of this franchise which yeah. is which is crazy to say because i mean you go through it every single year and you're not like that was the game but when you look back at de- like a decade past you're like oh that was the game in retrospect and in hindsight you're like okay i totally understand why everything fell out from this yep so uh, let's get into talking about the panthers first um for those of you who don't know This was their um, first playoff trip since 1996. Granted, they were an expansion franchise in 1995, but after they made the NFC Championship game, which they lost to the Packers and the old Dong Slinger back in 96, they went through a very dark period um, as far as uh, franchise lack of success. In fact, they completely bottomed out in 2001 under uh, George Seifert, who won two Super Bowls with the 49ers. This his stint in Carolina might be what cost him the Hall of Fame. Well, and this is what we see is just when the stuff is not going right, when the chemistry with players aren't, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? When stuff isn't clicking, you can be a one of the best coaches of his era and still fail unbelievably. Because you're right, in 2001, they were the worst. They were the absolute worst. They won week one. And then they proceeded to lose 15 straight games. And actually, fortunately for them, they didn't have the first pick in the 0-2 draft, even though they had the worst record. The Houston Texans were an expansion franchise, and they elected to pick David Carr, who I don't consider a bust. He was basically Woodland Critter Christmased his entire time being lack of protected in Houston. But... The Panthers end up getting future pro bowler and, in my opinion, future Hall of Fame defensive end, former basketball player from the University of North Carolina, Julius Peppers, and they start making a lot of key acquisitions onto their roster, but that's kind of what kicked everything off, and they hire John Fox as their head coach, former defensive coordinator of the Giants team that went to the Super Bowl in 2000. Well, we see them, and this is how you see a lot of football teams that are in a rebuild. They're like, okay, we're going to build defense, and Which if we can, did. and we can, if we catch a quarterback, we'll catch one. But the thing, and you brought it up with Carr, we, when you draft the quarterback, and you're like, all right, here we go, and you don't have protection or you don't have defense to like keep them, you know. Yeah to keep them on the field. It's one of those things where it's really detrimental and 
Carolina was starting to go at it the right way. Exactly. And in 2002, Fox did a tremendous job. They finished seven and nine. So they're, you know, improving. And then by 2003, they've started kind of getting some pieces together. They finally let Steve Smith, who another Hall of Famer, in my opinion, wide receiver, start playing wide receiver and not just be a kick and punt returner. They pick up Steven Davis, who is a very underrated back in the late 90s, early 2000s, just kind of a big bruiser and pair him with a cutback extraordinaire in Deshaun Foster. They build a veteran offensive line. Um, and in 2003, they took Jordan Gross, um, who became their right and then left tackle for a, basically a decade. The dude was a staple there well, for Carolina. That's gross. And then, yeah, it's gross. And then uh, a very attacking defense. Yes. As far as getting up the field with four guys, speedy linebackers, and pretty good coverage on the back end. And uh, that season, they finally have a winning record for the first time since 96. They go 11-5, and and they win the NFC South, and they get the number three seed. Um, A lot of that is due to Davis, who had almost 1,500 yards rushing and eight touchdowns. Then you had the passing game with Smith and Moose Muhammad, which we talked about in our 96 draft. He's one of those wide receivers from that class. Yep. He was a great run blocker, but also just a – because Smith is kind of shorter. He's like maybe an inch or two shorter than me, but – Moose was a very tall, rangy wide receiver who could perfect number two. For I was going to say that he he slides into a number two absolutely perfectly because he can block and he's a little bigger and like all of that. Oh yeah, and then um, as far as their defense is concerned, you have Peppers who is finally coming into his own and the player that he eventually became. Inside, you have Brentson Buckner, who was one of my favorite players for the Steelers before he ran afoul of the organization. Just a big-bodied dude you can put in the middle, along with Chris Jenkins, who was an all-pro that year. I don't know if you remember how good Chris Jenkins is. He would never like light up the stat sheet, but was just a force yeah. on the interior. And Mike Rucker, who made the Pro Bowl with 12 sacks. Um, the speedy linebackers I talked about, Dan Morgan, Will Witherspoon, and Greg Favors. And then uh, in the defensive backfield, you had... Uh, uh, Mike Minter, who led the team in tackles and picks, uh, Terry Cousin, Reggie Howard, and uh, Ricky Manning on the outside. So, I mean, that year they finished uh, 10th in points allowed a game. So, I mean, they were a very good defense. But the final piece that they needed was Jake DeLome, their quarterback. Or as Chris Berman used to call one of my favorite nicknames, Daylight Come and You Got a DeLome. <laughs> But uh, he comes in after the first week because they had Rodney Pete, Tucson's own, as their starter. Yes. And DeLome had kind of bounced around the NFL at that point. Actually, when this game was played, it was his 29th birthday. Oh, I didn't know that. That's interesting. They mentioned it during the telecast. Um, Journeyman went to uh, University of Louisiana Lafayette. I think they're just Louisiana now. Yeah. Um, Played with the Saints, which he should have stuck in New Orleans. I mean, with a last name like DeLome, come on. I mean, you're like Farmer Franning at that point. But um, has a good year for them. Just a steady kind of game manager, knows what his weapons are, and uh, enters in week two. And the team starts eight and two that season. And everyone's like, they're kind of like the shock of the NFL. But they have a three-game losing streak after they start eight and two of some close losses. They lose 24 to 20 to the Cowboys. Then they lose... uh, 25 to 16 to the Eagles. That was a game where their kicker, John Casey, missed a ton of field goals. Oh, yeah. And then uh, they lose to the Falcons, um, uh, Michael Vickless Falcons, actually, uh, in overtime. But they do end up winning their final three to put them into the postseason as the three seed. And there was a lot of like hype going around this team because starting eight and two, they were looked at as like, oh, are these guys Super Bowl favorites? Mm-hmm. And then this is what I find so interesting. If they had like scattered these losses, like yeah. if it was like win-loss, 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 people would have still been like, all right, all right. But the three... A streak of losses people were kind of like well we'll see what happens we'll see what happens with this team no i know and i mean like they're just steady all around even their special teams despite that eagles game casey's a veteran kicker todd sauerbrunn makes the pro bowl your two top receivers smith and muhammad go for basically 11 touchdowns and almost 2,000 yards yep so i mean they're a good solid team people are thinking okay well maybe you know they play wild card weekend they get a home game they're scratching the surface of their potential and they go out and just kick the crap out of the Cowboys. Yep. Wild card weekend, 29 to 10. Davis has a great game. You know, they forced some turnovers and Quincy Carter, who was eventually replaced um, the following season due to, uh, I think, drugs, uh, they just give him problems all game long. 
And that sets up this matchup with the Rams, who get the first round by. They're the second seed that year in the playoffs um, at Transworld Dome in St. Louis. And the Rams, dang, they're a good team this year. They're finally back. They had a down 2002 where Warner was hurt. Um, they had the Super Bowl hangover. And they have a new quarterback in 2003. Yeah. Warner is uh, replaced after breaking his thumb by Mark Bulger, who uh, another great Berman nickname or Berman uh, reference. Uh, I don't know if you know who Ray Bulger is. He's the guy that played the Scarecrow in Wizard of Oz. Oh, okay. So okay. every time he'd like go back to throw in the highlights, he'd be like, and there's Mark. If I only had Isaac Bruce. Oh, that's great. But uh, they, their offense is still stacked. I was okay. going to say, they still have pretty much every other piece from this Super Bowl winning team. Yeah, they have a great veteran offensive line with Hall of Famer Orlando Pace at left tackle and Kyle Turley, who we did an episode on at right tackle. Check out that. Oh, yeah. Delicious marijuana he slings. Oh, yeah. And Roy Lee Reynolds was our guest on that one. Yeah. yeah. And then uh, outside you have Isaac Bruce, Hall of Fame. Torrey Holt eventually will be in the Hall of Fame. Uh, Dane Looker is a very uh, good slot receiver for them. He kind of takes the place of uh, Oz Hakeem this season. And, uh, of course, you have the man, the myth, the legend, Marshall Falk, former Aztec, uh, finally getting healthy again in the uh, offensive backfield. Well, and this is something that I saw with the lead-up to this game was it was Panthers defense against Rams offense, which you see that yeah. a lot where it's like, no, no, no. Panthers has a good offense. Rams have a good defense, but this is where, this is where the matchup is going to really like, who's going to win this. It's it. And we see it happen. So no, I mean, and uh, I, I do want to bring up about the Rams defense because this year, yes, that was always their knock. They're actually really good this season as far as their productivity and what they have designed. Um, they were 13th in points against. So, I mean, they're like on that um, uh, Panthers kind of level. And uh, their defensive coordinator is now currently the head coach of the Houston Texans, Lovey Smith. Yep. And, uh, you know, Leonard Little, their best pass rusher on one side. Grant Wistrom, great pass rusher on the other side. And then they have some really speedy linebackers. Um, in uh, Robert Thomas and uh, Pisa Tino Isamoa, former uh, UH Rainbow, and Tommy Polly. He was very fat. He uh, had a ton of interceptions. Like, I mean, these are guys that can play in pass coverage. And it's a good defense to have when you have that type of explosive offense because if you get a lead on anybody, you're playing, they're playing catch up and you're going to have to do some pass defending. But uh, yeah, Adam Archuleta, one of their safeties, former ASU guy, um, five sacks and a pick, 79 tackles, Demetrius uh, uh, Butler, and uh, Aeneas Williams also back there. Aeneas Williams is a Hall of Fame player. Yeah. He's now playing safety and moved from corner after he came over from uh, the Cardinals. So the matchup is there. It's set to be a great game, kind of almost contrasting styles when you talk about the offense and defense of the Rams and the Panthers. But uh, you want to get into the game? Yeah, let's I mean, do it. Yeah, the, uh, St. Louis is 12-4. and four. They get that bye. And, uh, yeah, let's start it off. Yeah. So Panthers get the ball first. And uh, their kick returner for this game is a very interesting person. Do you know who Rod Smart is? No. Rod Smart, one of their backup running backs, was the man in the XFL with the greatest jersey ever. Rod Smart is he hate me. Yep. <laughs> Which is just fantastic. So Smart takes it out, uh, gets about uh, 30 yards or so, and uh, they start actually moving the ball on the first drive, which is very inspiring if you're the Panthers, just to keep Bulger and the rest of that offense uh, on the field. Um, Smith makes a couple of uh, catches. And uh, I should mention their third wide receiver in this game, who they went to on the first play, but it was incomplete, was Ricky Prohl. Oh, yeah. And Ricky Prohl, if you don't know, caught the important touchdown in the 99 NFC title game for the St. Louis Rams to send them to the Super Bowl. And uh, so on this first drive, they um, eventually end up stalling. Um, the Rams kind of hunkered down – or. Uh, they eventually end up stalling and they have to punt it back to the Rams, which kind of stinks, but the Rams come back out on offense and they're like gangbusters. Like they're tearing them up. Well, you, you see this and like you were saying, like how when the Panthers start to like drive down, you're like, oh, we can do this. When the Rams get on the field and they really, they're really just moving the ball without, I mean, 
what it looks like without any effort and that's supposed to be the panthers like their defense is what they're trying to hang it on you're just like oh the rams are gonna run through this team and they were they were going like a hot knife through butter and the nf i should bring this up because the way mike martz their old offensive coordinator under vermeil and their current head coach at this time Bulger was really good at this, and it's almost the NFL that you see today. He'd read low to high on passing plays, meaning he would look short, just get the ball out of his hands fast, and it would drive defenses nuts because on their first possession, they get a 24-yard pass to Looker, who they called Little or Ricky Prohl, (laughs) and White, obviously. Both guys are white. And then an 18-yard pass to Bruce, and... They get it first and goal at the Panthers four, but this will be the recurring theme up until the fourth quarter for St. Louis is they can't get anything done in the red zone. Nothing. And And when I say red zone, I don't mean, I mean inside the 20, but they have the ball inside Carolina's 10 yard line a lot in this game. Three, four times before they do anything. And it's interesting because they have Falk and you think that he's going to punch it in or something like that. And they really just can't do anything with that and on this first drive Falk made an amazing play to kind of cut a ball outside on a handoff uh, inside the five but I believe Mike Minter stayed home on the play and pushed him out at about the two and then they ran this weird bootleg with Bulger from about the two or three yard line that just stalled yep he he got eaten alive and they had to send in Pro Bowl kicker Jeff Wilkins to finish the job so they're up three to zero and we're already halfway through the first quarter because both of these drives for both Carolina and St. Louis were pretty extended. And you're thinking, all right, well, they got a field goal. A few more drives, they'll finish them off. But that's not the case. <laughs> on their fall, on the, their next drive, Carolina, um, Davis has a pretty big run. Um, the problem is um, as they're moving the ball, they get, again, Steve Smith comes up big. They're at St. Louis's 45, and then Tommy Polly makes a great interception, basically one-handed off of DeLone. And he returns the ball way down into Carolina territory. So they have St. Louis is driving again. Yeah, they're, so they're right there again getting into the red zone. And you're thinking, especially like the way this team has had been playing all season, you're thinking like, oh, we're going to take this. It's going to be 10 nothing right here. Our defense is still stepping up and they just can't punch in a single like we were talking about this before the podcast because this is such a close game. And Dom just goes, yeah, think about if they scored on any of those attempts that they should have scored on. Like, yeah, they, they literally were like zero for five in the red zone. You're just like. Yeah, I mean, that this game could have been a blowout. And it was just really a missed opportunity because on one of the plays, Bulger has Bruce wide open on a fade yep. in the corner of the end zone. He's got separation, and he doesn't look for the ball. He looks for it too late, and it's incomplete. It was like a layup type of touchdown. Oh, it was ridiculous. And he missed Bruce again on third down, and Wilkins has to come in and kick another 20-yard-ish field goal. So they're up 6-0, to zero, but if you're up 14-0 to zero at home, and this was a time when the Transworld Dome was absolutely rocking for St. Louis. One stat I wanted to bring up is they had won 14 in a row coming into this game on their home field. Well, and you, you pointed this out, was the defense is made for pass I mean, for pass defense. So it's like one of those things where it's you go up 14 nothing, you put the pressure on the Panthers' offense to start making something happen, and you're, you're pretty much they're playing into your game plan. And that's what sucks that for the Rams that neither one of these really converted into a touchdown. And a lot of credit needs to be given to Carolina's pass rush and their ability to play red zone defense and go like, paper cut us to death if you want, but you're not getting sevens. And on their following drive, on the first play from scrimmage, Davis runs it 65 yards from a strong eye formation. There was a great wham block, I think, from tight end um, Chris Mangum on the play. Yeah. Coming across kind of the formation in their fullback, Brad Hoover. The hole is huge. And Davis, not necessarily as fast as Foster, if but once he gets ahead of steam, it is really hard to bring that dude down. Um, gets all the way inside um, St. Louis's five-yard line where – Aeneas Williams saves a touchdown uh, for the moment. Um, DeLome, uh, there's a false start on Jermaine Wiggins after the first down, so they're backed up. DeLome throws incomplete. And then on third down, a very uh, strange um, 
Well, it's just like a horrible decision. So like the the play is kind of breaks down. He does like a toss, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, a lateral, whatever. And it, you hear the announcer. He's just like, oh, he really should have just taken the sack right there, and they should have kicked it because he literally has. It, he just does like a here. Here's a fumble. Yeah, like it's really a, a horrible play that the Panthers were unbelievably lucky. That- yeah, because they had gotten backed all the way up. They had a good nine yard run by Nick Goings, who was their third string running back. Because on that play that Davis had 65 yards, he screwed up his quad. I saw. You see it right at the end. And he yeah. he goes to the sideline and he's so mad. And what you see throughout this game is Carolina's offensive line is winning the line of scrimmage. They are winning the line of scrimmage. It's a day made for Stephen Davis to pound that rock and keep the Rams on the sidelines. And from the five-yard line, like you talked about, it was a shovel pass to Foster that got – it was a backwards lateral, which kind of ended up helping him. Yes. Because if he throws it forward and it hits the ground, it's it's incomplete. But it's backwards. So, like I said, it's just like, here's a fumble. Yeah, and the ball rolls – to about the goal line, and Moose Muhammad just falls on it. Well, they were so unbelievably lucky because there's a Rams player that falls on it, and it just squirts out. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, literally just squirts out, and Muhammad's like, oh, shit, there it is. Yeah. And, like, yeah, so that this is one of the luckier um, touchdowns. You'll see, like, this where you're like, oh, the game could have swung right there. Yep. And it ends up being 7-6, so. Yeah, Casey kicks the extra point. There's about 11 minutes left in the uh, second quarter. And uh, the Rams uh, end up getting the, they challenge the play actually, and this is what in the first half really screws them. They use their three timeouts relatively quickly. One yep. of them they lose on uh, uh, on the uh, challenge, but uh, at this time when Carolina goes up by one point during the telecast, Daryl Johnston says to Dick Stockton, "That game should be fourteen to nothing right now." Yeah, like. The Rams really squandered a lot of opportunities, and this is not to take anything away from Carolina because they're the ones that were on the field making the plays. They were the ones winning a line of scrimmage and giving Bulger some issues. But the Rams uh, get the ball, uh, really good field position, and uh, 28 yards on a post pattern for the first play from uh, Bulger. But the Rams have 12 men in the huddle. It's like they kept shooting themselves in, yes. the, in the foot at the worst possible time. And on that 12th man uh, call, Mike Carey, who's the referee, um, was explaining it to the crowd. He said, 12 men on the field, Los Angeles. Obvious foreshadowing. Ah, <laughs> oh, that's so great. But, you know, they're moving the ball a little bit. Um Peppers uh, makes a great play to swat the ball on a screen. Um, if you don't know who he is, look up some of his highlights. But he played Division One college basketball. He was about 6'6", six, 6'7", six, six, long arms. Like somebody that could really destroy those tunnel screens and those um, bubble screens on the outside if he timed his jumps properly. Well, I mean, he, was, he could have been a, a big swing guy in, in the NBA, but he decided to be one of the better defensive players in the NFL and it's interesting because we talk about guys like this where are just like oh no no he could have played any sport and you would be like oh Jesus Christ. Yeah, yeah just an athletic freak but yes they keep moving the, there was on third and ten there was a crucial play where Torrey Holt got a little hook pattern and they ended up moving the ball to first and ten at Carolina's 14 yard line so they're between the 20s you know there's no contest constantly yeah, yeah there's absolutely no contest but Three-yard catch after that, then a time, another timeout that they have, and then Falk gets absolutely destroyed by Peppers on a little uh, passing play. And then Jenkins and uh, Peppers, along with Buckner, end up really hurrying a throw from uh, Bulger, and he's barely able to get back to the line of scrimmage. So Jeff Wilkins comes out again. <laughs> for a 24-yard field goal. And that's the other thing is these are all just chip shots. That it, So normally when guys are hitting field goals, it's like, all right, here's a 40-yarder. This is literally like they can't punch it in in the red zone. Like, And that it, while it sucks if your kicker's going 40-plus on these field goals, you're still outside the red zone. You're still getting points. Does it hurt? Yeah, but you're more happy with your kicker knowing that like, okay, we're still in this game. Not necessarily happy, but like we're still there. Yep. But Wilkins makes it nine to seven, 
and there's 6.58 left in the second quarter. So you think about it, just missed opportunities, man. Just missed opportunities. And you only have a two-point lead when likely you should be up 14 or even more if that shovel pass goes the other way. Anywhere from 10 to 21 points they should be up. And that's the thing that's kind of ridiculous is people were saying the Rams really were blowing this early in the game. Yeah, and while they're still winning... They pooch kick it for whatever reason on the following kickoff, and Carolina's fullback Brad Hoover takes it to his own forty-one. Yeah, which good field position. You're a couple field. Uh, you're a couple first downs away from getting into field goal range, and then on this drive, this is kind of a Deshaun Foster drive, I believe. Like this is where he kind of comes in because Davis is gone for the rest of the game. Yeah, he pulls his quad and he's out. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a great play where uh, Goings picks up a blitz, and Moosin Muhammad has a great back shoulder fade from Delome. This is kind of the era, too, where you start seeing the quarterbacks underthrowing it because they know with perfect coverage, the back shoulder fade will always be there if the guy's not looking for the football. Oh, yeah. And Muhammad uses his size on this play very well and a very good thrown ball by um, Delome and gets it down to the 27 of the uh, Rams. Foster gets him another seven-yard run, but there ends up being a holding penalty on uh, Jermaine Wiggins. Then on first down, this is like a stretch of plays where Carolina just keeps shooting themselves in the foot, but then eventually getting it back. Uh, uh, Donnelly, their right guard, ends up getting a 15-yard face mask, and they start they're down to the 27, or they're down to the 27. It's first and 35 eventually because of late hits, face masks, and holding penalties. All of their penalties, yeah. Muhammad ends up getting him 13 more. Foster goes for three. And then the two-minute warning happens, and they have a third and 20 at the St. Louis 34. Then a huge play for them to get them back into field goal range. Foster gets him seven yards, and John Casey comes in after they call a timeout. And he sneaks the ball right inside the right upright to make it 10-9 to Panthers with a minute seven to go. And they were, you could tell at this point, though, after the two-minute warning, they were trying to bleed the clock so much so St. Louis couldn't get anything going. Goal. Yeah, exactly. So going to halftime with the lead, you're up 10 to 9. Well, that's the thing is they're trying to take the crowd out of it, and they really did because I bet everybody in the stadium's just like, we should be winning this game. We're losing this game. Yeah, and at this point, the fans are booing. Yeah. And after the Rams get the ball back, they can't do anything with it. Peppers snags them a sack. And the entire Trans World Dome is booing the shit out of the Rams for being down 10-9 to 9 at halftime. And we- it makes sense, though, because they should be winning this game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, they should be winning the game, but unfortunately, it's not happening for them. So they started off, uh, they get the ball in the, in the second, or mm-hmm. in the third quarter, second half, whatever you want to say. Um, and this is kind of what I'm saying is like, I think this is the first time they drive down for a field goal outside of the red zone. They do. Which is yeah. it, which is so crazy to think like the way this game plays out. No, and there's a big play by Isaac Bruce to get him 25 yards on this drive. Which is my favorite when a guy has a name like this and he gets a catch and the whole Bruce. stadium, yep, the whole stadium <laughs> could just join in. But uh yeah, they end up uh, uh Terry Cousin makes a good play um against uh, Dane Looker on third down, and Wilkins comes in, kicks it 51 yards, and the Rams are winning 12 to 10, but in a way, they're kind of losing. Yeah. (laughs) Because you can tell that it's not, um, the momentum's not on their side. Yeah, like, I mean, you know, the expression scoreboard, you know, scoreboard. It has to be so disheartening to think even one touchdown, you're still up by a touchdown. Exactly. Exactly. But on any of these drives, you're just letting Carolina hang around, and they're such a scrappy team that it's the worst kind of team to let hang around. But on the following drive, Hoover gets an 11 yard pass. Then Smith gets 12 on an amazing catch. And then Foster has this run where he makes a cutback against the grain and goes for 18 yards, which really kicks the dri- um, drive into overdrive. Oh, Muhammad made a great block on this play against the defensive back and then uh, grabs another seven. Goings gets another uh, first down on a third down, and Casey comes in for a 52-yarder. And 
he they were talking about during the telecast all his problems in Philadelphia and everything. And Fox was just like, well, he's still my Pro Bowl kicker. And uh, it's like a golfer who has a bad day and comes in and drills a 52-yarder. And the Panthers are again now leading the game. Up 13-12. I want to say this, though. If you watch his kicks, Casey's kicks, in this game, they are starting to go right. If you see it, this one yep. kind of, this one and especially the next one just barely make it into the to the post. So it's interesting when we see this later on. Um, yeah, yeah. And the next, uh, St. Louis gets the ball back. They have a good return by Arlen Harris up to about their own forty. And uh, really, this was the play that could have broken the game wide open. Torrey Holt gets unbelievably wide. I don't know. It was a busted coverage by one of the safeties who wasn't playing deep. Bulger hits him with this pretty pass as he would have walked into the end zone, essentially. Yeah, nobody was back there. And it just bounces off his hands. And St. Louis is forced to punt. Well, and we see this. I hate to say it, but they just cannot put the ball in the end zone. So, like, if that was a kick, it would have went. Yeah. Like, literally, he is by himself. And that's probably something that, and some guys say this, it was like, oh, I've never been out there by myself like that. Right. So so, it was so unexpected that I was just like, I don't know what to do. The easiest ones are somehow the hardest, you know? Exactly. It's like, oh, I can catch it with a guy all over me, but when I'm by myself and, you know, if you looked at probably Torrey Holt's entire career, probably never dropped another pass like that. Yeah. Like being that wide open. Oh, yeah. Um, Carolina ends up getting it back after dodging that incredible bullet. Um, after a false start by Todd Stucy, uh, Foster ends up running for a first down. But there is a holding play or a holding penalty that the officials pick up, which was a godsend for Carolina. I always find this to be interesting when this happens, and they you play it back. You're like, oh yeah, well, that was holding. Why did we pick this up? But yeah. <laughs> it, it, it happens. So Goings has a nice run in there to almost get a first down, and then Delome fire. It looked like a deep in, like a square into Smith for about 20 yards where St. Louis was blitzing on the play, and they just got it off. Um, and then on uh, third and one, uh, they end up uh, going out there for a Delome sneak. And then um, on third and eight, the drive eventually stalls, and Casey comes in for a 34-yard field goal to make it 16-12, to 12, which is like... So, so to think about the Rams fans, you have to be so bummed at this point. You're getting into the fourth. It's You're down 16-12, and you should be dominating this game. Oh, and totally. It's, it's an interesting thing that you have to deal with as a fan where you're just like, all right, we have to, we have to stick behind them here. But... Uh, yeah, Falk runs for first down on the following drive for nothing. Um, Bruce Goat gets a whip route, but uh, the defense for Carolina comes in and uh, really goes after him. But um, then uh, Bulger makes the biggest mistake of the game. And this is where you really think the game's over. Yeah, you really think it's over because it's 16-12. to 12, You're basically nearing – you're at the end of the third quarter, early fourth quarter – and uh, Mike Minter makes a great interception. In and then run back. S- yeah, St. Yeah, Louis both. territory. It's a, yeah, it's a great play. And it was one of those plays where you hate to see this from quarterbacks. And Bulger had 22 touchdowns in the regular season, but also 22 picks. He just threw a ball up for grabs. Minter was in the right spot because that's the way you play your defense. And it was like catching a fly ball. It was almost like corn. he threw it to him. Unfortunately, if you look at it, you're like, dang, was that for? But yeah, he literally just kind of chucked it up. Minter goes up and gets it and takes it back to like their, I don't even know, like their 12 or something? No, no, no. He, he, they're kind of around uh, midfield. Okay, midfield. Yeah. Um, but. Uh, oh, yeah, they, yeah. yeah they, I no, forget. no, they got yeah, it they by, march about it their down. own 30. They yeah. end up marching it. Um, uh, they have a good uh, 10 yard uh, run by Foster on a pitch play. Yep. Then DeLome has a 36 yarder to Smith on a double move, which really gets him down in St. Louis 26. And. As they drive into the red zone, Foster loses a couple. And then on third and 14, on a weak eye, in a weak eye formation, great cross block again, like you saw on the Davis one, and he ends up getting a first down. And then by the end of the drive, and it made Daryl Johnston, you know, Emmett Smith's lead blocker back in the day, so happy when Brad Hoover runs it in for nine yards and a touchdown. With 9.44 to go, they're up 11 points, which pretty dang incredible yeah to think like i mean 
Panthers are really doing everything that they can right. Yeah. Rams are doing everything they can to lose it, essentially. St. Louis has every opportunity to make it a blowout. But yep. what Carolina is doing is taking every opportunity they can and crossing the goal line, most importantly, because yeah. they have the two touchdowns. But um, Rams get the ball back. And on the first play from scrimmage, Bulger throws another pick. This yep. is the one that you were talking about. Oh, too. yes. Okay. Deion Grant. Yeah. And uh, yeah, 840 to go. They have the ball on the St. Louis 28. Foster gets a three-yard run. And then DeLome uh, ends up getting a pass batted down. And uh, you're thinking this game is sealed, even though they don't have, you know, they're kicking a longer field goal. If they go up by 14 points with the amount of time that's left on the clock, even though it is the Rams, you're thinking, game over. Yeah, like they, they can kill this clock. Let enough can, clock, yeah. Yep. Um, and this is what I was referencing earlier, is Casey's been hitting him right, a little right, a little right, and then he, they come up to kick this field goal. And he's a lefty kicker, so and he's he, hooking it. And he's hooking it, and he compensates too much, and it goes too much left. Yeah, he. and don't get me wrong, kicking a 53-yard field goal, even indoors, is not easy no, at all no it's not it, but yeah this is the thing where it kicking you almost never think about it until it becomes a problem yeah. and that's something that I, I found with this game was just like you never would be like oh man we need like the best kicker but when a game like this where you're just like we can't punch it in it's just like god i'm so glad our kicker's reliable that's exactly. the only thing you want is reliability it's like a bullpen in baseball that's what i always yes special teams too is just a bullpen but there's 629 left and this is where Marshall Falk goes into beast mode because the Rams finally start getting everything together. Well, I found it to be very much like the Rams drive in the Super Bowl where they were just like, all right, we're giving it to our star. If you can stop him, do it. Because and almost every play during this drive is to fucking Falk. Well, and the amount or and the announcers in this game at this point after the two picks by Bulger were saying, is Martz going to put Warner in? Is because Warner's healed from his broken thumb. They just decided to bench him and play the younger kid. Yeah. But yeah, Falk has a great um, uh, dump off pass from Bulger. Um, then he gets a first down um, to move the sticks at third and three later in the drive. And then uh, gets a great throw from uh, Bulger to Bruce on an out route. But um, they're at third and 10 on their own 46. Mike Furry gets eight yards to set up a fourth and two. And then they're talking about with 454 in the game to go for a 56-yard field goal with Wilkins or to go for it. Because that's a long way to kick a football. And if you miss, the game is effectively over. Yeah. But he throws this 22-yard teardrop to Falk out of the backfield. And it's an amazing throw, an amazing catch. You keep the sticks moving. And again, third and 10, later in the drive, 440 to go. Falk makes an amazing play on a whip route, and they get the ball all the way down to the five-yard line. And then they finally get it in with um, uh, Marshall Falk. Punching it in. Yeah, just kind of punching it in. Um, I found it interesting how many third downs they converted in this. And we see this. Third and fourth downs. Yeah. Multiple, yeah. Well, that's that's – and we see this later on is like this is kind of what this game is, is like the later downs really define this game. So they're 23-18 with 239 to go, and they have to they have to go for two. Yeah, you have to. There's you, no doubt. Like you, you would rather – if you end up getting the ball back, you would rather go for a field goal and a touchdown to send it to overtime, and we'll definitely bring this up later for what transpires. They go for two, and Bulger hits Dane Looker. So you're down 23 to 20, and they go for an onside kick. The Panthers call a timeout before the onside kick. Which is weird. Which is weird, maybe to ice him. But what ends up happening, Jeff Wilkins kicks, you know, you know what an onside kick looks like. If you don't, it's where the kicker kind of like bounces it, doesn't kick it. Very, like the goal is to bounce it as high as possible and make it bounce as weirdly as possible make it go 10 yards so your guys have a chance to recover it. Wilkins kick I've never seen an onside kick do this in my entire 30 plus years of watching pro college whatever football. On one of the bounces instead of moving forward, it just deadens and bounces in the air. Almost like straight up. And it's awesome. People talk mad shit about kickers, but Wilkins hustling on the play 
out jumps Carolina's hands team, protects his body, and catches it midair to come down with the ball at his own 42. Well, he could see the, I feel like he could see the trajectory of it. And he was just like, oh, that's mine. It, mm-hmm. It's it's one of the better onside kicks because they almost never work. That's the thing is yeah. like you see them and like when it, when you get a weird ass bounce like this, this is when they work is nobody can follow the, the path of the ball. And the kicker was right there. And St. Louis now has momentum. Now they're cooking. Bruce gets him down to the Carolina 38 on the first play. Then another pass to Bruce gets him to the 25. And yes, they're in field goal range. And yes, you're down three to send the game to overtime. But the Rams have not only weapons, they're moving the ball at will. They almost, they literally stopped trying in this drive to play for overtime. Yeah, I saw. Which is a weird, because they were like, we don't want to turn the ball over. But in that essence, you're like, we don't want to win the game. And Johnson was pissed in the booth, like comment, uh, commentating on this game. He's just like, yeah, you're in field goal range, but you're supposedly the best offense that's ever existed. Try and score. I Take some say, shots. How are you not going to trust your offense in this in this scenario? Like, if you're not trusting your offense, you really shouldn't win. Yeah, and I mean, you're essentially playing in this situation not to lose. I'm not saying you need to you know, have bomb it five, seven step dropbacks, yeah. sacks, anything like that. But man, you have matchup advantages, chess pieces all around the field. And at the, they get to the Carolina 15 yard line and with 25 seconds left, that's enough to run three plays. They don't care. Yeah. Wilkins comes in and drills a 33 yard field goal and the game is in overtime. And We'll talk about this after the episode, but that decision making by Martz probably will haunt him forever. It's it it really is a horrible decision just to not even try to go for it. And uh, I know that they're being stopped constantly in the red zone, like that's like the theme here. But like, how do you not give it to Falk? What, I, like I'm just saying, what was it, Herm Edwards? You play to win the game. Yeah, seriously. So. Um, it's overtime, and it's overtime for the playoffs, which if in this time, it was sudden death. First score wins the game. Uh, so a field goal even. Yeah, even a field goal. Um, and in this, uh, one of the stats that was brought up on the telecast, uh, eight field goals ties a playoff record. Well, I mean, that's literally <laughs> how it's five tied it too. Yep, that's how the Rams were able to stay, you know, but the crowd is back in it Horrible. now for St. Louis, despite the fact that they played for the tie. Well, they realized they're like, okay, we can win this. Tony Siragusa, the sideline guy, is like, I can't even hear myself think because it's so loud in, uh, in that dome. But um, Carolina gets the ball. DeLome has a 44-yard pass on this drive, or, um, or gets it to uh, the St. Louis 44. And on third and eight... Um, they, uh, they end up have moving the ball again. Uh, Delome ran right. Muhammad made a great catch. And then there was a great throw to Jermaine Wiggins, who was eventually, um, uh, come, came across the middle or came across the middle. he had only caught eight passes all year and it's first and 10 at St. Louis is 21. So you're thinking this is it. This is it. They end up moving the ball to the middle of the field with DeLome to, you know, make it easier for Casey. On second down, they want to kick it, but they have a delay of game penalty, which pushes them back more. So they send their offense back onto the field to try and get a little bit more yardage to try and get them back to an easier kick. Mm -hmm. And the Rams call a timeout. Goings gets a couple of yards. And what ends up happening they still have to kick a 45-yard field goal instead of a 40-yarder. Casey comes out. It's looking good at first, but it goes wide right. He hooks it again. And one of, I think it was either Stockton or Johnson said, if they kicked it from 40 because it just missed, yeah. it might have gone through. You could see it because the way his kick is, it's really just like curving outside of the post. And that kick probably would have made it if they just would have kicked it without that delay of game penalty. That's what really screwed them over was, I mean, and this is what sucks is you see the penalties cost you know teams games. And then we see the, the Rams take it down. And Bruce has two great catches on this drive to move it 
um, almost into field goal range. Um, but the Rams end up calling a timeout. Peppers makes a great play to bat down another pass and on a uh, screen to Fury. And Wilkins comes out for a 53-yard field goal. <laughs> Fox calls a time because this this was the era you remember where you oh, we're going to ice the kicker yeah <laughs> like and then he ends up missing it short barely short like, too oh man almost hits the that bottom crossbar. bar yeah yeah he almost which, hits the crossbar which you see it and because it's so hard to tell with those you're like wait did that go over or not and <laughs> yeah it, it's a bummer for that for this Rams team. But on the on the following drive for Carolina, Muhammad gets it down to the St. Louis 36. But then they this is a weird game because it's not like it's the greatest played game ever because there's just mistakes abound. But it's so entertaining. Yeah. Oh, it's very entertaining. There's a mix up between Foster and uh, Delome on the snap at uh, uh, on this play. They end up losing six yards. Then Stussy has a false start, and then Delome has a pass batted, and they end up punting it but Sauerbrunn has a great punt um down to St. Louis's 15 yard line so they were on the edge of field goal range got knocked out Sauerbrunn saved their ass and now they got to go play defense again and we're nearing the end of the first overtime yep and as we talked about in our Chiefs and Dolphins episode overtime is just like overtime in the regular season except you can't tie in the postseason what ends up happening is you just play a second quarter yep it's just an extension. Like, you don't have to kick off again. It's just like you're playing another game. They say this scored. is really the sixth quarter. Mm-hmm. So, like, th- with the new overtime, you almost kind of restart with the coin toss and all of that kind of shit. With this, they're just like, no, nah, no, nah, we're just playing until somebody does something. Yeah. So, they end up moving it a little bit. Bulger has a nice scramble. Falk has a good catch. But they end up having to punt it away. And there is, or not, no, they don't no, punt no. it away. Yeah. On this play, this is or on Ricky this Manning. drive, this was the drive. Danny Manning, not the basketball player, <laughs> makes another one-handed pick of Bulger. I like that fucking Danny Manning. That's so good. That's Danny. great. And he was actually starting for Cousin in this game. He had replaced him towards the end of the oh, regular yeah, season. Yeah. Um, yeah, so they end up getting the ball back at their own 35. They end up, like, Carolina's own 35. Yes. And at this point, Foster gets um, stuffed by Wistrom on first down. And DeLome avoids a sack and gets back to the line of scrimmage. And the first overtime is over. These teams are exhausted. And like I said before, and this comes back into play, you don't lose possession in the postseason after the first overtime. It's the same way now. It's just different rules about sudden death. And they're facing a third and 14 at their own 35. St. Louis is probably going to get decent field position back unless Sauerbrunn does it again. And instead of going for the safe draw or screen or just extending the game, they go for the win. Carolina says, fuck it, we're going for a first down and more. That's the only way you can describe this. Smith runs a deep post. DeLome hits him in stride. And he's gone. You like you watch this replay. It, to me, it's an iconic NFL play that nobody ever talks about anymore. But a great throw on time to a guy running full speed who's very fast splits the defense and is not even touched no yeah that's the thing is like you would think is you were like whoa was that miscoverage it's just like no that was a perfectly ran play route pass all of it and then he's just literally wide open for a touchdown and this is why we were talking about was so bad was the ramsha the one this game a million times over, yeah. and the Panthers stuck with it and ended up winning. Well, and I mean, it wasn't like they just called the right play against the right defensive alignment, and he out, Steve Smith outran everybody. He outran everybody to the house. They win 29-13 to 13 on the first play of double overtime. At the time, it was the fifth longest game ever played. And now let's get into the aftermath. Well, I mean, this is what these games kind of happen is, is they have – this this pond ripple effect for these franchises. So Carolina parlays that victory into going to Philadelphia the following weekend and playing the ever popular Andy Reid Eagles that always seem to lose NFC title games to inferior opponents, and they won that game. Yep. And then they played one of the best Super Bowls ever played against the New England Patriots in a game they probably should have won. 
Um, they ended up losing, of course, on an Adam Vinatieri field goal. But it really set Carolina going for like the next five years where they were in the playoffs in 05. They were the number two seed in 08. Steve Smith actually won the receiving triple crown in 05. Yeah. So, I mean, they it really set them up on a nice run till about 2010 um, after Fox got fired and went to Denver. St. Louis, dear Jesus, this was... At the time, you knew it was bad, but in my own opinion, this was the end of football, professional football in St. Louis, this game. Well, it felt like they were like, this is our last gasp, you know, because with the core, of, yeah. with the core and then they were like, and we're really not going to rebuild anything. It was like, we're going to be a bad team. And it was just kind of like, okay, like if you were a St. Louis yeah. fan, it's so weird because they had this unbelievable fan base and they were just like nah we're gonna major league this bad boy guys got older i mean um in 2003 that was both falk and bruce's 10th years in the league um really they only had tory holt in 2004 they did make a smart move and draft steven jackson the running back who had a tremendous career um but like i said that home field advantage after that playoff game was gone yeah in 04 they got a wild card they beat seattle in seattle but they missed the playoffs from 2005 until 2015 every single year. There was apathy towards the franchise. They couldn't get anybody rebuilding. And in a baseball town like St. Louis, and yes, we can call it a baseball town, their owner moved them. And an interesting fact, this game we're talking about right now was the last NFL postseason game played in St. Louis. And it'll be the last one ever. I doubt they'll ever get a franchise. I don't think another team will move there. I really don't. And it's just a damn shame because that greatest show on turf, when you want to pick an end to it, this is the end. It's all over. Guys were either traded, guys retired. I mean, this was the end. And they would have gone into – honestly, they would have gone into Philadelphia and beat them easily. They beat them in the 01 championship game. And then if they play that Super Bowl against New England, who the hell knows what happens? I was going to say, Warner's back. It's such an interesting... Well, Warner's not back, but I mean, with well, those matchup problems, if Carolina gave him that many fits, geez. Oh, yeah, lead. that's true. You know, and if St. Louis wins two Super Bowls in basically a five-year span, they're not going anywhere. Yeah. They are not leaving, you know... Stan Kroenke doesn't take him to Los Angeles where they can ram it. Have you ever seen that music video? Yeah. Oh, Yeah. If you ram it all day, or uh, I learned long ago, if you ram it just right, you can ram it all day and ram it all night. Well, they became the cheesiest team, and they did that cheese into a Super Bowl victory. Yes, they did in 99. Uh, Sorry, St. Louis, but uh, 2003 Rams-Panthers.